Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hey there, welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You're listening to episode 55. Is it time to start small group? As the school year starts, our focus is on getting to know our new little people. We are teaching them all kinds of things, procedures, rules, we're practicing routines, how to use materials. We are playing with them to get to know them and helping them just kind of navigate this whole thing that is preschool. At the beginning of the year, these things are the most important things to do. So important that I actually choose not to plan much in the way of small group activities. I would rather lay a very strong foundation of relationships and expectations than have to do that all year long. So if we go back to the question at hand, when is it time to start small group? When you are in that whole back to school mode with a brand new set of children. When is it okay for you to kind of step back from that monitoring and playing and helping children and sinners and move to a more focused time with a small group of children, obviously while still monitoring the classroom around you? When is that time? And the answer is never simple. It's not straightforward. The answer isn't X amount weeks because every class is different. And that makes every year different. Not only are we also different in where we teach and how we teach and who we are as people, each year after year, I'm finding myself having a different answer to this. Also take into the account amount of time that your children have been in school. My children come two days a week, so they have not had near as many school days to practice their routines and and the procedures around centers than say a class who has gone five days a week. So it really, really is specific to your students and not to mention the makeup of your class. The last several years, it took us a very long time to get there. There were a lot of missing skills and things that I needed to teach before I could even begin to try to focus at a table with a small group of children while the rest of the children were playing. It wasn't a thing that was going to happen quickly. This year, the class dynamic is picking up things so quickly that I'm having to actually kind of change my plan. So it's interesting to see, once you've been doing this for a while, how different individual classes from year to year can be. And that always makes a difference too. So don't get stuck in the, oh no, the teacher across the hall is already doing small group and I'm behind. You don't know what has gone into that class makeup and you don't know what has gone into the foundation being laid. So try not to get into that, well, I should already be doing this already. 
because that may not be helpful to you down the road. You really want them to have this strong foundation of knowing what to do when you're preoccupied. And that is so hard for preschoolers. But we can at least try our best to set that foundation before we even start going into small groups. So we are less frustrated with our children for not being able to be independent. And while sometimes I feel like it's kind of just a feeling inside me of, oh, these kids have got it down. I also try to make sure that I ask myself some guiding questions of, are we really ready? Because the last thing I want to do is jump into small group and be constantly interrupted to put out fires everywhere. So I have five questions that you can ask yourself to really help you kind of navigate this idea of, are we really ready? Do we really want to get into this type of thing? So let's get into those questions. The first question, do you feel like you have the beginning to a solid relationship with each student? Do you know them well enough that you know that they can handle themselves to be safe while your focus isn't entirely on them? Do you have at least a pretty good understanding of each child? So have you taken that time to sit down and really get to know them? Have you taken the time to really observe them? We're not talking, you know, obviously it's the beginning of the year. So we may not have real deep relationships with students, every student yet. But do you have an idea of maybe some of the things that upset them? Or maybe do they get angry when, you know, interacting with peers? Are there any kind of triggers that they're having that you have observed And have you really kind of understood that kiddo for where they are right now? Just having that basic understanding can give us this idea of, okay, I know that I need to also help this child work on some verbiage of, please stop, I don't like that. Or can I play with you too? Those type of things, because that's something that is becoming a hindrance during play. So obviously that's going to take, you know, more than just a couple of weeks at the beginning of the year, but are you aware of those things so that you can keep your eyes out for them while you're doing small groups? So kind of that double duty of focusing on the small group while also keeping eyes out onto the students that you know may need them. Question number two, have you taught children how to use materials and centers? So for example, do your students know how to attach new paper to the easel? That's a hard one, right? And maybe if not everybody can do it, are there some students that do know how and can help? Do they know where to put art projects that are wet? You don't want to have to be stopping and picking up their art project to go put it up to dry while you're trying to do small group. Maybe you have a table or somewhere else where they put them until you can put them up on the rack. Do they know how to wash their hands without assistance? So, you know, if they're getting messy in something they're playing with, do they know how to go do that? If, obviously, you have a sink and a bathroom in your room. Have you taught them how to use the art materials? Or are you going to be frustrated because you've turned and focused on small group and you go back to the art center and it looks like, you know, a gigantic creative mess everywhere? Have you taught them how to use, you know, the stamp pads the dot markers, the markers with the lids, the glue. Have you taught all that? Do you have, you know, a little trash can nearby to help them clean up? Have you taught them how to do that? 
Have you taught them how to put the Play-Doh away? Sometimes at the beginning, we find it easier for us to kind of help get in there and do those things. But the problem becomes when you remove yourself, then they don't know how to do those things. So we take a lot of time learning how to use scissors safely, use different types of glue, where all the things in the art cart are, how to put all of them away, what to do at a sensory table, where to keep the materials and not, you know, spread them around the room. All those different things really are going to help you later if you just take a little time to be explicit in this is what you do. You don't always need me because they they can be super independent as long as they know what to do. My kiddos know if you if you finish an art project that's not wet, it goes in your cubby. So they just automatically do that. If it is wet, they know where to put it. So those type of things are going to save you so much grief. And they're totally fixable, right? They're totally teachable. They're little things. And we can totally get those knocked out of the way before we even start small group. Question number three, have you set boundaries about when it's okay to interrupt small group time and when it isn't? Now, I say this loosey-goosey because I once taught first grade and that was a little bit easier for them to understand of, oh, she's got this group here. She has this stop sign. I can't come over. Preschoolers can't always 100% grasp that what they're feeling isn't an emergency. So it's kind of harder, but just giving them the idea of, okay, when you see me with these friends or you see me with this signal, whatever it may be, I've seen lots of people use, you know, lights, there's like a little disc light and they turn it on or, you know, they have a stop sign near them, whatever it may be, helping them understand when you see that, I want you to go ask a different friend, go ask a different friend for help. But also having that own internal expectation of this is going to happen. They're going to interrupt. They're excited. They love you. They want you to know all the things. They've done something they're proud of, and they just want to share it with you. So these things are still going to happen. But can we help teach them that, look, we're doing this together right now. It's not quite your turn. So you can go and choose somewhere to play in the classroom. And then if we need help, we could go ask another friend. Are they going to get it right all the time? No, of course not. They're still learning all of these things. And so as much as it is about setting boundaries around when it's okay for children to interrupt and when it's not, it's also important to make sure that your own expectations align with what our preschoolers really can do. Question number four, have you decided how you're going to handle the situation that may arise and usually does when a student or students don't want to come to small group time. This is kind of something, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, when I have these students come over, we're going to do this and I have that all planned out. But have you taken the time to think about what is going to be your response to, I don't want to, or I'm busy now? Because remember, they're, they're playing, they're in play. So sometimes that's a, oh no, <laughs> and I'm too busy over here. I don't have time for you. How do you want to handle that situation? There's no right or wrong answer here. It's just making sure that you have thought about that. Because sometimes when they're in the middle of that play, they're like, 
I'm not stopping for you. And we have to really see that and respect that. And then other times we have just a, "Mm, I'm not going to do anything that you really want me to do type of thing, which maybe we need to look more at the relationship side of what's kind of that barrier there that they're not wanting to come over. And then we as teachers, we have to make sure that we're making this exciting. If it looks like a chore, what you have at the table, and it doesn't look fun, (laughs) they're not going to want to come. So I always like to make sure that I'm keeping it engaging. It always has a hands-on piece. It looks exciting so that they're more inclined to want to come over. Also, sometimes I found that it's just the guarding of the toy. So I will tell them, bring your toy with you. We'll set it on the table so no one else can get it. Sometimes that truly is the sole reason they won't come over. They want to do the thing, but if they leave the toy, it may not be there when they get back. So solve that for them. They had it. They want to keep on to it after they're done with small group. Bring it over to the table. I'll keep it safe. You can even have a basket or something there too. Oh, these are our safe toys. We're going to keep them here and we're going to learn together. And then you can go back to your play. However you want to kind of address that, but that I have seen that come up as an issue quite often of them not wanting to come over. If you've got a kiddo that just really is not there yet, is really not there yet, we've got to kind of acknowledge that and respect that because just forcing them to come over to the table to do something that they either can't or don't want to do and are not in a developmental space to do it. We are just forcing on some learning that is creating these negative feelings for them. So we really need to be aware and cognizant of that and maybe find other ways that we can go about working with that student in the realm that they're excited about. If they are a block center kiddo and they never leave it, how can we start putting some more learning this of the skills that they need into that block center. So can we add letters to some, you know, stones or can we add letters to tree trunks and we can play with them and help them learn that way? Sometimes we have to be creative for those students that just aren't there yet, but it's also about respecting those boundaries. So sometimes they'll say, but I'm still playing with this. I'll come over when I'm done or not yet. They'll tell me not yet. And I generally try to respect that the best that I can, because that means I'm in the middle of something important. And by me respecting that, they let her respect what I'm wanting them to do as well, because I have respected them. So I'm saying, okay, yeah, you finish that. And then I'll call you over in the next group. And then that generally feels okay, especially with our friends that have trouble with transitions. What do you mean right this second? You want me to drop everything and come over to you? I I don't, I don't want to do that. That's, I've got to process that. So when it's okay, you keep going with what you're doing. And then the next time will be your turn. And they kind of have this heads up, right? So it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) But all this goes back to getting to know your students for who they really are getting an understanding of why they're not wanting to come over is really the golden nugget. Because once you figure that out, you can address that and really see if you can make this work easier for them. And the last question is, have you finished your beginning of the year assessments? And do you have an understanding of which students need extra assistance with skills? 
So we treat small group as a way to help children understand the skills that they're missing, really kind of hone in on here, look, we're going to practice this thing that I've learned you don't know as well. No big deal, right? You don't know it. I'm going to help you learn it. So small group is pretty skill-based. It's pretty skill-focused, whether it be name writing, whether it be numeral recognition, letter recognition, counting with one-to-one correspondence. I first have to know, hey, do they know how to do these things? Because if they know how to do these things already and they are mastered, then why am I going to take that time to do that with every student? For example, this year, my assessments have told me that I don't need to spend any time on colors. My friends came in knowing colors, and it was no big deal. Shapes, on the other hand, are a different beast. And so I can look at that skill specifically, and I can see which students need the most help with it, as in maybe they don't know any. And my students that maybe just know, you know, some and are just missing a couple shapes, and I can make groups around that. If I didn't have that information, though, I could not make groups around that because I would just be calling everyone over and we may not be where we need it to be. So when I'm looking at it as a specific skill, who needs help with this skill, how much help, I can play in a better lesson because I'm not trying to hit everybody in the group that's at different stages. I can really focus in on this group of children who need help with all the shapes. So let's run through those five questions one more time real fast, because if you're able to answer yes to all of them, then I think it's pretty safe to say it is time to start planning your preschool small group time. So number one, do you feel like you have a solid relationship with each student enough to understand kind of where they are, their needs, and any, you know, just differentiation that they might need? Also, have you taught children how to use the materials in centers so that you are not constantly having to stop and, you know, do some small little things here and there? Number three, have you set boundaries about when it's okay to interrupt? And have you kind of given yourself those own expectations of what preschoolers really can do around respecting the boundaries of small group? Number four, have you decided how you're going to handle this situation that may arise when a student or multiple students don't want to come to small group time? And number five, have you finished your beginning of the year assessment so that you know kind of where you need to group? If you can answer yes to all of those, I think it's pretty safe to say it's time to start small group. But if you aren't a yes on all of those, maybe go back into that specific step or number and really teach that thing or work on relationships, or set your own boundaries, whatever it may be, so that you can have this successful start to small group. It is important to note that sometimes we feel the pressures of assessments, learning goals, administration, to get started on teaching specific skills right off the bat. But I encourage you to challenge any thoughts of pushing yourself and your students, because if you start rolling without all the foundational pieces in place, you aren't going to have a functioning small group time. You'll be stopping all the time to address issues and you're going to get frustrated. Going slow to speeding up is a thing. And if you take the time at the beginning to teach all the things, then you'll be able to speed up and start making a go for small group without near as much frustration. 
If you're feeling a little bit lost with small group and you need some inspiration, I have five podcast episodes that focus on small group and there's more to come and you can take a listen to them. I'll link them in the show notes. And if you're looking for done for you small group lesson plans, I have those too. I'll also link them at the show notes. So head on over to lovelycommotion.com slash episode 55 for all the links. I'm wishing you a fabulous rest of your week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely.